Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? My name is Wilson. I'm a, one of the pastors on staff here with the Young Adult Ministry. I just want to say welcome to Vineyard Northwest. So happy that you're here with us. Whether this is whether this is your first time or one hundredth time, we're really glad that you're here. And our hope is that you experience God's presence and love as you're here today. Because God is good and he loves you and he has good things in store for you. So, um, if, if this is your first time, we have a gift for you out in the atrium. There's a little welcome packet. The atrium is the most important room in the church. It's where you get the coffee. Okay? So that's that like kind of hall out there. There's a little uh, connect booth, a little place where you can get a, a free gift we have for you. There's just a gift bag, so stop by there and grab one of those. And also there's a little connect card in your seat in front of you that if you fill out, it kind of helps us um, know you better and how we can uh, serve you and stuff like that. So, all right, there's several things coming up, but before I hit the um, events coming up that are in the program and on the app, who, who knows that we just finished an eight-week series called Power Outside the Walls? So... Hope you guys enjoyed that series. We, we ended it last week with a conference that was really, uh, really powerful, really cool. And our hope and our heart in doing this series was to equip the church to give us practical tools on how to extend God's love and God's power outside of Sunday mornings and outside of the church building. So we hope that you pick some stuff up through that. And we just wanted to give a really practical way to begin to um, bring his love and power outside the walls. And that is to invite somebody to church during the holiday season. We've prepared these little invite cards in these cool little packets. And there will be ushers at the back doors passing them out when you guys leave. But these little cards just have a simple invitation to our Christmas services, or or, or the month of December, all our services. The title of the messages, you can see behind me, we're trying to make them relevant and engaging for somebody who's, you know, not part of church. And yeah, it's just a simple way to invite somebody. I mean, who here knows somebody who needs more God's love in their life? Who here is somebody who needs more of that, you know? So... This is a practical way to extend that and to, uh, and to invite people in during the holiday season. On, sun, on Christmas Eve, that's, that's a Sunday, we have our normal services. So 9.30 and 11.30. And then that evening at 7, we'll have a special kind of like Christmas Eve service, candlelight service that's family friendly and it's a really great time. So, all right. Now I have three things I want to just highlight for you before Van comes up because Van is about to give a message on thankfulness. And by the way, if this is your first time, we have about a 35-minute message and then about 20 to 25 minutes of worship and then a little call to ministry, and that'll wrap up the whole service. So three things coming up. First, this Friday, December 1st, we're having a 24-hour prayer and worship event. Um, This will start at 5 p.m. and end at 5 p.m. Start at 5 p.m. Friday and end at 5 p.m. Saturday. It's a time where we just kind of come together to focus and really um, pray for our community, worship together, and it's like an extended kind of soaking time. If you've never been to one of these, um, you don't have to come 
for all 24 hours. You don't need to sign up or anything. You can come for five minutes or you can come for five hours. It's up to you. But I really encourage you to come check it out anytime uh, this coming Friday, starting at 5 p.m., ending at 5 p.m. It'll be in the basement and it's led by the interns of the church. We have some really awesome interns here who do some really cool events. So this is one of them. Next, on December 10th, we're doing child and infant dedication. Uh, This will happen during both services. If you have a child or infant you'd like to get dedicated, which simply means we'll have all the families uh, come up to the front and then just the pastors on staff lay hands on you guys and bless you and just pray for, uh, yeah, health and blessing over your child and over your family. It's a really cool time. You don't have to be an official member here to have your child or infant dedicated, but you do need to sign up. So you can do that. There's information for that in the uh, program, or you can email sarah at vcnw.org. Also the app, you can sign up there. All right, last thing. Starting January 30th, we are running Financial Peace University. So if you've, ever, if you've never heard of Financial Peace University, it's also referred to a lot as FPU. This is a class led by a guy named Dave Ramsey. Around four and a half million people worldwide have participated in this class since its inception. It's a nine-week class that will be held here at the church um, on Wednesday nights. I just totally blanked on the night. I think it's Wednesday nights. Tuesday nights. Whatever January 30th is. Let's check. Tuesday nights. January 30th is a Tuesday night. Um, It'll be on Tuesday nights for nine weeks it's really good stuff. It's biblical principles on how to handle your money, um, all the way from budgeting to getting out of debt to saving, emergency funds, all that kind of stuff. When I asked my father-in-law for my wife's hand in marriage, she said, yes, but you have to do Financial Peace University first. So seriously, some of the some like true heartfelt advice would be if you're a married couple and you've never had any kind of like um, organized, cohesive training together about around money, then this is going to be a huge investment in your marriage. I'd really encourage you to sign up. So that's a nine-week class. It's free, and it starts January 30th. There'll be more information on how to sign up next week. But at this point, I'm going to welcome Van up, and he's, gonna, he's our senior pastor. He's going to give a message on thankfulness. Thanks, Wilson. Good uh, morning, everyone. Great to see you all here today. I wonder how many of you here have seen the movie What About Bob? Okay, now if you haven't seen What About Bob, you need to see it, okay? That's kind of like an assignment around here. It's a movie about a guy that um, is really insecure and neurotic, and he gets this new psychiatrist. He's gone through a dozen psychiatrists already, and he gets this new psychiatrist, but the psychiatrist goes on vacation immediately after their first meeting. And so he follows the guy on vacation. And so it's a really great, funny movie. But um, unless you're a psychiatrist, then you might not like it so much. But um, at the very beginning, in their first uh, interview, uh, Leo's listening to Bob. Leo's the psychiatrist. And, and, and Bob says, I have problems. And Leo says, talk about problems. And he says, well, I'm afraid of diseases, so I have a hard time touching things. And then there's a pause, and he says, I have a hard time moving. Leo says, talk about moving. And he says, well, when I'm in my apartment, it's okay, but when I go out, I get weird. And he says, well, talk about weird. 
And so Bob says, I get dizzy, I get nauseous, I get cold sweats, hot sweats, uh, I, I have trouble uh, breathing, I have trouble swallowing, I have involuntary trembling, pelvic discomfort, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, and on and on the list goes. I, you know, if you see the movie, um, you, you, might, you might ask yourself, do I identify with Bob at all? I think that's why movies like this are so funny. He, you know, he's like at the nth degree of every issue, and, and we might all be at like a one or a two, but I can see myself a little bit in this exaggerated version, and, and it's really funny to do that. But we, we live in a culture today that is filled with anxiety, in fact, there was a study done by a guy named Holmes, and he came up with the Holmes Stress Scale, where he lists the top 100 stressors that we can encounter in life. Things like the loss of a spouse, the loss of a job, divorce, different things like that, and he has them all ranked. But he also, in his studies, he came to this conclusion that the highest stress period in our culture is the period between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Now, would anybody agree with that? Yeah. It seems to be pretty true, doesn't it? We, we, uh, you know, we're kind of in the Christmas season right now. Personally, this is my favorite part of it right at the beginning because nothing's really happened yet and it's all just anticipation and it feels really good. But as we get into it, we worry about the presents we're going to give, whether they're going to like the presents, presents we might, we're going to get. And if we've ordered presents for other people online, we worry about whether they're going to come on time. Uh, we, we fret about parties. Am I going to be invited to this party? Do I want to be invited to this party? Am I going to have a party? And on and on, what are we going to have for dinner? Is family going to come to town? Or are we going to be alone? There are all sorts of things that, that come up around this season that, uh, that make things really stress, uh, stressful and, and uh, kind of uh, tense us out. But the question today is this, and uh, the, the thing I want us to focus on is, how can we be thankful in stressful times? How can I be thankful in a stressful season of life? You know, can I be thankful in a stressful season of life? In Philippians 4.4, 4, the Apostle Paul, who was uh, one of the early followers of Jesus, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament, he said this. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. Now, the older version says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, and to emphasize it, make sure you get this, rejoice. And so you have to ask the question, is that possible to always rejoice? And, and sometimes people kind of want to fulfill that and they almost pretend they're rejoicing when it's really not in their heart to rejoice. But um, can it be done? And the answer is that for a person who's received Jesus as their Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you, any command God gives contains the power within the command for us to actually follow it. And so if I receive that, if I can receive that, then there's the, the life and the power is right there for me to have an attitude of rejoicing. And, and I don't think that necessarily he's even saying that every moment of every day I'm going to be vocally rejoicing, but he's talking about having a thankful heart, a, a thankful attitude. Someone called it an attitude of gratitude. Okay, let's all say that together. An attitude of gratitude. 
That's what we want to shoot for. That's what we want to have all year round. And this season of time is kind of like a test case for that. It gives us a great time to practice having an attitude of gratitude. There's a passage in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8 that we're going to look at. Short passage, sweet and powerful. And here's what he says in Philippians 4. It's talking about anxiety. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and the word supplication just means a petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So he gives us these steps to walking in peace and the peace of God guarding our hearts. And then as kind of like a a follow-up to it, the way we maintain that peace is by what we focus on in our hearts and our minds. So today what we're going to see, there are four very clear steps. And I'm calling four keys to victory over stress. You could just as easily say four keys to having an attitude of gratitude. But uh, step one is this, worry about nothing. That's what the text says. Step two, pray about everything. Step three, thank God in all situations. And step four, think about the right things. And when we do, we'll be able to walk in the peace of God. So the first step, worry about nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. He's saying don't fear, don't fret, don't, don't, uh, don't let things control, don't let anxiety control your mind and your sleep and your physical body and your thinking and your focus. Don't, don't allow that to be the controlling factor in your life. But it seems like in our culture, our culture is designed to war against that. It's, it's, it's like there's somebody that when they were designing cultures, they designed our culture as a stress culture. And you might think, well, what do you mean? Who designed that? The founding fathers or the, um, you know, some, some, uh, uh, some secret organization? No, uh, it's, it's not that. But there is someone in the world that is opposed to everything God does, that is opposed to the kingdom of God. He's called the prince of the power of the air. And when, he, when you use that name for Satan, prince of the power of the air, what it's doing, and, and that's one name that's used for him in the Bible, it's referring to his, his pervasive influence in cultures and societies. And so Satan has had a role in the development of every fallen culture in this, on this planet. And his goal in every one of those cultures is to battle against the peace of God, to battle against the love of God, to battle against the kingdom of God. And so, yes, there is a design behind it all. It's designed by God's enemy, and it is designed to keep us from walking in everything that Jesus has given to us. I mean, what would hinder the the advancement of the kingdom of God more than for uh, millions of people to say, we're Christians, we're part of the kingdom of God, and in the kingdom of God, there's peace. But then we live as if there is no peace. We don't live with peace. The contradiction of that hinders the advance of the kingdom of God. And so for you and for me to learn how to live with peace and to walk in peace in a culture that wars against that is a key part of God's kingdom advancing and and us experiencing everything God has for us. So um, Smithsonian Magazine 
to continue this, they wrote an article a few years back, and they said that we live actually in the golden age of anxiety. Golden age of anxiety. And they said that because we have not only micro worries, but we have macro worries. The micro worries are the things that we experience in our everyday lives, in our personal lives, like debt, uh, marriage issues, relationship issues, kids, uh, work issues, friends that are addicted to painkillers, kids' friends that are addicted to drugs, and on and on health concerns and the, the whole, everything that we worry about. Now, the macro worries are things in the world, like North Korea and uh, n- nuclear um, arms and the Middle East. And 305 people were just slaughtered in a mosque in Egypt. Uh, things like that everywhere in the world happening all the time. And we live in an age where we learn about these things almost instantly, And even within my lifetime, there was a time when something like that could happen. You might not hear about it for days or a week or more. But now you learn about it within five minutes of the event occurring. It's out there. And so there's everything negative is from outside is just heaped on us. And if we don't know how to deal with that, if we don't know how to just to to rest into the peace of God, then we're going to live lives that are filled with anxiety and just filled with pain because of all of that anxiety. So it's an important thing when we read this and he says, worry about nothing. Now, Dr. Walter Calvert did a study on anxiety and, and worry. And do you know the word worry? Have you ever seen, have you ever heard of that used of a dog chewing a bone? That's an old, old use of the word. That dog is worrying the bone. A dog that gets a bone goes after that bone and goes after every little morsel of meat that's still left on that bone and and just is intent on getting it all. And then if its teeth are strong enough, it's young enough, it'll just chew the whole bone up and it'll totally be gone. And, And it's just totally focused on that bone. Well, that's what happens to us when we worry about issues. We're looking at it, just zeroed in on it with such intensity that we can't think about anything else or focus on anything else. And, and that's, that's anxiety. And that's what we need to be free of is anxiety and worry like that. And so uh, Walter Kelvert said this. Um, after a, a study, he said 40% of the things we worry about on average, 40% of them never happen. Never happen. So you can make your top list, of, your, your, your list of top 10 things you're worried about and just start off scratching four of them off right off the bat, okay? Then he says 30% of them concern the past. And we can't really do anything about the past. Now, it's not entirely true. We're going to talk next week about uh, making peace with Christmas past. And, and there are things that we can do to make peace with the past. Sometimes it's as simple as writing a letter or making a phone call. But generally speaking, we can't change the past, so 30% have to do with the past. He said 12% of our worries are needless health concerns. You know, we probably don't have to be all that worried about the bubonic plague here, okay? The plague is gone, and hopefully it'll stay gone, but but we're not going to go home worried about it. Uh, The headache that we have is probably just a headache. The backache is probably just a backache. But, uh, you know, like the one hypochondriac who had written on his tombstone, he wrote, I told you I was sick. You've heard that? Yeah, okay. We don't want to be that guy. 
Okay, 10% of our worries, 10% of the things we worry about are insignificant things. Like, how does my hair look this morning? Uh, Is this the right shirt to wear, or should I have worn the striped shirt today? Uh, What are we going to have for dinner tonight? How many of us are thinking and fretting about what we're going to have for dinner? Anybody? I mean, we do that. We worry about stuff like that. What are we going to serve for dinner? And so these are worries that we just, that, that really don't, even if it doesn't turn out right, it doesn't have much of a life impact. And he came to this conclusion, only 8% of the things we worry about are really serious issues. And so the question really then comes down to, how do we sort between the 92% and the 8%? And then what do we do with the 8% when we find it? And if you, if you would say, well, I think, okay, let's assume that we can sort out the 92%. What do we do with the 8% then? Is it legitimate to worry about that? Jesus said it wasn't. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6.34. He said, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. <laughs> okay, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. And you know what the good news is? God's going to be there with you tomorrow. God's going to be there with you tomorrow. And so you, can, you don't have to worry about that. God's here with me today. Let's deal with today. Tomorrow, God's going to be with me tomorrow. And so I don't have to worry about tomorrow. But um, so th- this injunction, don't worry about anything, is really foundational to the, to the whole piece. But without this next point, it's useless. Without this next point, you might as well just be reading Reader's Digest version of how to overcome anxiety and stress. The next point is this. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and petition. And, you know, petition doesn't mean having a bunch of people sign a paper. A petition is an appeal. It's, it's when you bring a request to something. I want this changed. Okay, so by prayer and petition, let your requests uh, be made known to God. And, and so he says, in everything. Now, I want to say this that even the, even the 92% that we, we could wipe off, God cares about that. If that's impacting you, he cares about it because he cares about you. And so you don't have to go and think, oh my, well, I, I only want to bring the 8% to God. No, the way you sort the two out oftentimes is by taking it to God and talking to him about it and praying about it. And by praying, what I mean is this. You find a place where you're alone, however you like to do it. Uh, lay your head down on a table, lay down on the floor. I like to walk in a semi-dark room where no one can hear my voice because I like to pray out loud. And, and just talk to God. And, and you say, God, I've got this worry. You know, the car broke down and the, you know, the kids need braces and we have such limited funds. I'm not sure what to do about that. And how do we get the car fixed so I can get to work? And, and, and you just talk to God about it. You lay it out before him. And oftentimes, what happens when you're doing that is you you really begin to see things from his perspective. And rather than saying, oh, God, fix this, that's the best prayer is to say, God, help me to see this through your eyes. Help me to see this from your perspective. Because as we do, so often, that in and of itself just lifts our hearts. And, and we're able to walk away from it and, and say, okay, God's got this. But pray about everything. And now, <clears throat> when he says um, prayer and supplication, that word supplication or petition means specifics. 
You know, so I think it's so easy for us to pray in generalities. Oh, God, bless me this, bless this, bless this. But, but he's saying here, no, come about specific. So you're talking about specific issues with God. And uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Okay, he cares for you. And uh, you make a difference to him. God the Father sees your life and he cares about you. He has you on his radar. And so cast your anxiety on him. Now the word cast might throw some people because some, people, some of us might think, well, boy, my problems are so big I can't even pick them up. How, how can I, how can I you know, cast them on God? But the word doesn't have to mean that you're like throwing it. You have, to get, you have to throw it. You have to take these anxieties and throw them at least 10 feet for God to catch them. It's not saying that. The word can also simply mean drop them. It, it, see, he's right here. He's, he's not over there. He's right here. So casting them on him just means I just, I just drop it. I let it go. Let him take it. And so he's concerned and he wants us to do that. And that's so much of what we get to do uh, when we're in prayer because the whole thing is about relationship. It's not about problems and solutions. Christianity is not about, well, there's a solution for every problem in your life. Christianity is about knowing God, walking with God, walking with Jesus. And, And out of the relationship Problems are resolved. Out of the relationship, you know, we do grow. Out of the relationship, the worries that we have become less and less. But it's, it's about relationship. And so the third thing is, is really key. This is really the heart of it all. And that is thank God in all situations. Okay, thank God in all situations. Philippians 4, 6, he says, in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And so uh, always pray with thanksgiving, always. Always come into prayer with thanksgiving. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, the apostle Paul wrote this. He said, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there have been what I would consider to be distortions of this teaching in the past, where, where the teaching is, thank God for everything. I even read a book once that said that if, if your daughter's a prostitute, thank God for that, because that's God's work in her life. And no, we don't thank God for evil, all right? We don't thank God for everything, but we thank God in everything. We thank God in whatever situation we're in, because he's still good, And even though there's pain and heartache and grief in life, God is still good. And so we thank him because he is with us. And and these these are just three simple things. The reason we can thank him, I know God is good. He is good. And everything that happens in this world is not God making it happen. The evil that happens, there is one in the world, I mentioned him earlier, whose role it is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's, that's, his, that's his self-made job description, Satan's self-made He's the one that steals, he's the one who kills, and he's the one who destroys. So if I experience destruction in my life, if I have a car accident and I have a family member that's injured, I don't say, thank you, God. I don't look at God and say, why did you let this happen? 
I know why it happened. It happened because we live in a broken world where Satan has influence and he's the one who brings about tragedy and heartache. But I also know that in the midst of that tragedy, God is good and he's there with me and he will not leave me. And no matter what I face, he will stay with me. And because it's all relationship, it's that, that just brings peace and comfort to my heart. Yes. I, when I was in college, uh, there was a man that was discipling me and several other, uh, well, three or four other guys. And he owned a business. And one day he asked me to drive a truck for him um, about 100 miles to a city. It was to Youngstown, Ohio, which was a bigger city than I had ever driven in before. And this was a bigger truck than I had ever driven. It was a steak bed truck and um, not a pickup. And I was supposed to get to this factory by a certain time and get a load of sheet metal that he needed back you know, for work the next day for some um, jobs he had to do. And so I'm driving over there all by myself, and I just got totally lost. You know, there were no cell phones, no GPS or anything like that then. I just get totally lost, and I have no idea where I am. And, um, and I remember I, I had, it was like 4.30, I had to be there by 5 in order to get the truck loaded. And, uh, and I'm lost, and I don't know how to get there. And I pulled off the side of the road, and I thought to myself, so my first thought was, I wish my dad was here. I mean, my physical dad, he might not, he would have known what to do either probably, but at least he would have been there. I just wanted him to be there with me. I wanted someone that I trusted to be there with me. Now, the next thing I did was I invited my heavenly father to be there. I prayed and my dad couldn't be there, but my heavenly father was there. And so I prayed and I I can't tell you I got an instant amount of peace. I don't remember that, but I do remember this. I pulled out of that parking lot and I looked across the street and up about 100 yards was the factory I was supposed to go to. And I, yeah. I had come into it exactly the opposite direction from the instructions I had received. So, um, but look, whatever we're facing, God's with us. That's, that's the good news. He is good and he's gonna be with us. And the second thing is this, it's just as simple, but I know God will give me wisdom. I know he's going to give me wisdom. He's promised wisdom and he's promised to give us wisdom. And what I'm really, what sometimes when I'm so anxious is only because I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know what to do. And so God gives us wisdom. The Bible says he'll give wisdom and he won't, he won't criticize us for asking. He just gives wisdom because he loves us. And so you can be confident that whatever the situation, when you go to him and you're going to him, you're praying, you're, you're, you're involved in praying about everything right now, and you're laying this out, you can be confident God's going to give you wisdom on what to do about that. Now, the wisdom he gives could be, just watch, I've got this one. Okay, watch, I've got this one. That's what happened to Moses when he was at uh, the, the Red Sea. He, he had... Uh, the, the Jewish people had lived for 400 years as slaves in Egypt, and through God's power, uh, they were all uh, freed from Egypt. And when Pharaoh freed them, they're, they're moving back to, you know, to the promised land that God had called them to, and they came up against the Red Sea. And by this time, Pharaoh had decided it was a mistake to let them go. And so he has his whole army out there coming after them. And so they're, they're going to they're, they're, they're get slaughtered. And God says this, tell the people this, tell them, stand still and watch, behold the salvation of the Lord. And so what happens next is, so they're told, all right, don't do anything, stand still. 
and God parts the Red Sea. So the water parts, and then it's only a few minutes later that God tells Moses, all right, tell them now, what are you just standing there for? Get moving. Okay, now it's get up, move. You can see the way now, go. And so God will tell us at times, he'll just say, stand still, I've got this one, I'm gonna do it. But then later he'll say, okay, get up, you gotta move. Okay, the way to handle this anxiety is make this phone call to this person. The way to handle this anxiety is have this meeting with this person, tell them what you just told me. Get your heart filled with love for them and sit down and tell them what you just told me and that's gonna help you with this thing. So, so sometimes there's what he tells us, write this letter, apologize to that person. You know, st- stop wasting, you know, next Christmas, don't overspend. And I'm gonna show you how, God says. You're gonna take Financial Peace University, you're gonna learn how, <laughs> okay? So he tells us what steps to take and then sometimes it's just wait. So sometimes it's just wait, wait, just wait. And you know what? I'm going to be with you tomorrow. I'm going to be there with you. Whatever happens, I'm going to be there with you. And any one of those three, whether it's watch, walk, get up and do something, or wait, any one of those, when God speaks it to our hearts, it brings peace. Did you know that? His voice brings peace. And so that's why going alone with him, talking, taking, taking our stuff before him, and, and just listening for his voice, looking for his perspective is what gives us this incredible peace that we get. King David at one point, um, he, he was the, the most famous of the kings in the Old Testament. This is before he became king, but everyone knew he was going to be king. And the current king at that time, Saul, was jealous of David. And so he wanted to kill David because he, he, he wanted his own son, Jonathan, to become king. And so David had to flee, and he fled to, a, to a, a neighboring country, Philistine country, and six or 700 other men went with him. They were all fighting men, soldiers. And so they lived there in this other country. And they were duty-bound to go out with the king in any wars he had because they were living in his land. And so the, the Philistine king goes to war, and he brings David and his 700 men, I think it was, along with him. And then his other generals say, hey, wait a second, David, isn't he a Jew? Isn't he the guy that used to kill all the Philistines? Didn't they used to say Saul killed his thousands and David killed his 10,000? So we don't trust him. You can't bring him along. You can't. And so David had to take his whole troop of men. And so they don't get to be part of the battle. They don't get to win any of the booty. So his men are already upset with him that they don't get to do this. So they get back to their hometown of Ziglag and they find out that this marauding band had come and had burned their city and had taken all of their wives and their children and everything they owned and all of their livestock and had gone off with them, taken taken them all hostage or, or kidnapped them all and took off. So now all these men are here and their wives are gone, their kids are gone, all their, all their everything they own is gone. And so... Someone made a motion that we kill David. Someone said, I move that we kill David for this. And they seconded that motion. And then they were in the pro- process of discussing the whole thing. And about to, someone was going to c- call the question. Anybody here know Robert's Rules of Order? Okay. Okay. So this is a joke right now, in case you don't know that. But they were, they were wanting to kill David. And not only has David lost his own family, and, and, but, but he's also lost his men. And they want to actually take his life. What you read next is, David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
So in the face of that incredible stress, David goes off by himself and, and he lays it out. God, here's what's happening. You know, I did this. I thought it was the right thing. And, and here's what happened. And now they want to kill me. And I don't know what to do next. And, and they're going to kill me. And I'll never be king now because they're going to kill me. And you want me to be king, but they're going to kill me. And what am I going to do, God? And God just gives him this peace because God's, because God's there with him. David, in the midst of that, David gets this incredible peace. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He comes out and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to chase these guys down. We're going to get our people back. And so in the midst of even the most horrific situations, we can find peace from God. If we're willing to go to him, talk to him, listen to him, ask him to give us his perspective, allow him to speak to us. And listen, the voice of our father in heaven calms our hearts. It does. Our Father's voice calms our hearts. And so we go and we pray and he speaks and, and, and we have this calm come over our hearts. Now, the fourth point I gave you was think about the right things. And um, that's almost like a follow-up point. But he, here's the deal. <clears throat> In our culture today, there's so much negativity that if, if we get up out of bed in the morning and the first thing we do is turn on our smartphone and check the news, we're making a big mistake because we're starting our day off with all this negativity. We're starting our day off with all this stuff that is painful and heart-rending and heart-wrenching. And, heart and, and so we, we want to put our minds on the right things because what, what happens when you receive Christ is he gives you a new heart. That means he changes your nature. He takes away that old sinful nature. He gives you a righteous nature. And that righteous nature now desires God. It, it leans in the direction of God and it yearns for God. But God doesn't do for us what we can do for ourselves. He respects our free will. He gave us free will. And so he doesn't just automatically, miraculously change all of our thoughts. And so I might still have wrong thinking patterns that are messing up my life. And so he says here, think on these beautiful, think on the right things, have the right belief system. And when you do, then you'll have the right emotions and actions that will flow out of that belief system. And then your actions will be consistent with your heart and you have inner peace. But when my heart is leading me this direction, but my old belief systems are leading me that direction and I actually go with them and I do this, then there's this inner turmoil and conflict that happens deep inside of me and I don't have peace. For instance, um, someone could have the notion that because their father always had a new car and because their older brother is highly successful and he always had a new car, that that this younger sibling has to have a new car or my family won't respect me or my friends won't respect me. And so that younger sibling then buys a new car and then they live with the worry of the car payments and they live with the, the stress of the car payments and they live with the tension of short finances and never having enough. And that's wrong thinking. It, it, just to carry that thought out, that person's going to be worried about, well, what if I can't make my car payments? Well, what if they can't? What's going to happen? Bank's going to take it back, right? Okay, you lose the car, but you also lose the payments. 
Okay, so you've, you've, you've gained something too. You lose the car, and then what the next thing you're going to do, you're going to cut out all discretionary spending, and you're going to take the bus to work, and you're going to save enough money to buy a car that fits your budget. And then what's going to happen? You're going to be, you're going to be so happy that you acted in a biblically responsible way that you're going to have joy. You're not going to care what your older brother or your dad think because that's a wrong notion to think, well, I've got to live my life to please them. Does that make sense? Okay, so we've got to, we've got to have our minds focused on truth and on the, right, on, on the right stuff. And when we do that and we're operating from the right principles, then a biblical truth, then... Our actions are consistent with that new heart God's given me, which is saying, hey, come on over here, get closer to me. And my actions aren't leading me away from that. My actions are, are flowing with my heart, and there's just an inner joy then that kind of flows and, and it becomes a part of my life. And so thinking about the right things is important. Now, the end result of all of this is real simple. 4 7, Philippians 4 7, it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen to that. When you pray about everything with thanksgiving, the peace of God, God's peace, it starts in heaven. This is heaven's peace. God's peace will guard. God's peace is above understanding because it's, it's a heavenly peace. And so it's, it's, it's not rational. Someone might look at you and say, you know, you're a little bit off because don't you realize that you have this problem and this problem in your life and yet you're so happy. It's a, it's a supernatural peace. It's a heavenly peace. God's peace comes into our lives. It's Jesus' peace. And Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. He said, it's not like the world gives. I'm giving you my peace. And so when we get his peace, we walk in it. And this is how we get it. And, and he says, the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your heart, your, your new inner being, and your mind, your thinking, in Christ Jesus. And so it all comes back then to relationship again in Christ, in Jesus. And so uh, th- this whole idea of walking in peace, uh, and the, the peace of God keeps us, that word means guard. It's like a, like a Roman guard who guards a city, and he keeps the city safe. God's peace then guards our hearts. And so we're, we're going to worship here in a few moments. And my prayer is going to be that the Holy Spirit will take some of these truths and just whatever one I needed to hear, whatever one you needed to hear, will he'll just work that into our hearts. And, and you know what? When I'm up here preaching, there are things I say that I need. And sometimes I say things at the moment that I didn't think about saying before, but I'm thinking, okay, God, that you knew I needed that. And so we all, so we take those things and we just focus on Jesus and worship him and, uh, and some amazing and powerful things are going to happen in our lives as we do that. So we're going to receive our offering right now. The baskets are at the far left and uh, make out checks to Vineyard Northwest. As Wilson said earlier, check out our Vineyard app and just download it on your phone. I personally, I give through the app. And it's like the way I look at it, it's really making my giving the very first thing that happens each month when I get paid. But um, thank you for giving. Uh, This church has no other means of support other than what is provided through our giving. 
And when you give, you're, you're becoming a part of what God's doing in this city and through this church body to impact our community, our city, our region, and the world. So we're going to stand and uh, worship. You're welcome to come down front to worship. But uh, Father God, we lift up your name. We love you. You are good. You are good. We ask you, Holy Spirit, release your peace. Release your peace and your joy to us today as we worship. Father, be honored. Lord Jesus, be honored as we lift up your name and worship you. Amen.